Hello, everybody. My name is Andy Fernandez. And my name is Michael Fernandez. And this is What Makes It Great. On today's episode, we will be talking about 1936's Swing Time, directed by George Stevens, starring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. It was not ranked on the original American Film Institute's Top 100 Movies list, but on their 10th, anniver- 10th anniversary update, it was, it was ranked number 90. Oh, Sorry, wow. I got a little tongue-tied. That's okay. <laughs> um, okay. Wow, number 90? Okay. Yeah. So, I had never seen this movie before. No. I had never heard of this movie before. <laughs> um, so, this was my first time watching it. Rented it off of Amazon. How did, you, how did you come to this movie? Have you seen it before? Heard of it? Never heard of it, never seen it, watched it on Amazon, just the same. Um, still in the 30s, though, 36, still dead in the middle of the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a first for me, first Fred Astaire movie, Astaire, Ginger mm-hmm. Rogers movie, I guess. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll get more into what I thought about it later on, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I watched it yesterday, so it's kind of fresh on my mind. What about you? Do you watch oh, it recently? Good. Yes, I um, I also watched it yesterday, so oh, good should be fairly top of mind for me. Wrote down some notes, and uh, really, I don't have too much to talk about before we get into the movie, except to talk about the director very briefly, and then a little bit more about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, kind of the the, the famous movie team. Do we have any uh, more of their movies coming up, or no? I don't believe so. I think this is the one and only one we have. Okay. I mean, I kind so, of want to watch more of them, but uh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we do have more of the director. Okay. So who's the director? The director's name is George Stevens, and since we're talk, we're gonna may come across him a couple more times. I think on this list, it's just I just put down a couple of things that I thought were interesting. I didn't really do a very much of a a, a very deep dive on him, but. Uh, he was nominated for five Best Director Oscars during his career, and wow. he won two of them. Dang. For one for a movie called A Place in the Sun, and one for a movie called Giant. Huh. I know, I think Giant is on the list, as well as another Western that he did called Shane. I think oh, those I've are both Shane. on the list. You've seen that one? Yeah, I think I had to watch it for class. Oh, okay. I have not seen Giant or Shane, so whenever we get to those, in the when we get to the 50s, I think... Um, those will be the first. That'll be the first time for me, at least. But cool. maybe you'll be able to offer some of your your experiences with those movies. By um, school, I mean like middle school. So not like oh college. really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, no, there's some experience it there. Probably don't remember it at all. But <laughs> <laughs> um, some other interesting thing about him: he's one of those directors, along with uh, uh, Frank Capra and some others, that went to World War II and shot footage of oh, cool. the war. And he shot footage of the D-Day invasion of France wow. during World War II. And then he also shot footage of Dachau and some other concentration camps that was used in the Nuremberg trials. Wow. And that, uh, that footage has since been, um, what's the word, like preserved by the Library of Congress, I believe. Yeah. And his son, George Stevens Jr., is the founder of the American Film Institute. Oh, no way. So... <laughs> Big ties there. Yeah. But that's really all I have on him. I imagine imagine we we'll, might get to know him a little bit more as we talk in the future about more of his movies. I just wanted to give a little taste of what's 
what the director is, and he's a he's a pretty big deal in Hollywood apparently. So I wonder if his um, son, as is his family. Uh, yeah, I wonder if his son had anything uh, to do with this list, and I wonder if he like you know they knocked off one movie, and he was like you know let's <laughs> let's put another one of my dad's up there. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder <laughs> how nepotism. much influence he had exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So every one of his movies will take with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. They're great, I'm sure. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. So the only other thing I have to talk about is Fred, there are two stars, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. So um, he, they're both were famous actors. They didn't really get, they got their start largely and they became famous at, when they started working together, essentially. But mm-hmm. um, Fred Astaire famously had a screen test for, I believe, David O. Selznick that had the report that read something along the lines of, he can't sing, he can't act, he's balding, and he can dance a little. <laughs> um, and so he kind of uh, bucked the trend, I guess. And that was one of the first things I saw him. I was like, this guy looks old. He reminds me of Al Jolson. Yeah. Yep. He was just like the receding hairline. But he was only like 36 or 37, I think, when he made this movie. Yeah, he's a goofy looking guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, he can dance a little, is what the report said. Yeah, um, basically, he started. Yeah, <laughs> he started working with uh, Ginger Rogers. They're kind of together. Are credited for making dancing an important part of the Hollywood musical, especially during the '30s. Um, and really, there was two kinds of dance movies. There's like these big, what they call like Busby Berkeley. Berkeley. I don't know if we have any of his movies on the list, but um, kind of dance movies where there's a lot of aerial shots and a lot of like fancy camera work and cutaways and close-ups on people's legs that are kicking you know, kicking and stuff like that and so mm-hmm. um but and then there's the fred astaire way which he's like i want the camera to take as little to be as noticed as little as possible and mm-hmm. i want the dancing to be the center stage so which a lot was, of dance sequences right but for sure also the camera work was really good in this movie <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it, it it was really good for me in its simplicity because uh-huh. a lot of the dance sequences in Fred Astaire was very famous for just being really insistent on having as few takes as possible in his uh-huh. dance sequences. A lot of these are in this movie are done in one take. That's incredible. And um, and they're full body. They show yep. the full body of the dancers so that you can see everything that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And he was really insistent throughout his career that that's how he wanted all of his dance stuff to be shot. So um, they're kind of credited for doing that um, and popularizing that. They made 10 films together, wow. the nine black and white movies for RKO Studios, including this one. This was the sixth of their nine that they made for RKO Studios. Okay. They made them from 1933 to 1939. And then 10 years later, they reunited for one color film for MGM in 1949. What movie was that? Uh, sorry to put you on the spot <laughs> i don't have it written down <laughs> Dang, i okay. apologize that's all right i'll do i'll do my research later <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah swing time is their sixth um and in their early movies they originally kind of supporting characters but then eventually they became co-leads and became one of the biggest box office draws of the 1930s and their, their box office power kind of peaked around the time of swing time okay. and then shortly after that it started to kind of it reached the top of the curve and started to come down a little bit. But they were releasing like two movies a year during the mid-30s. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah, so after their ninth film for RKO, they split. They didn't didn't want to work together for a little while. And Fred Astaire went off to do Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby, which is 
famous for being the movie where with the song White Christmas. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then Ginger Rogers went on to do more dramatic work, and she won an Oscar for Best Actress in a 1940s movie called Kitty Foyle. Hmm. Let's, oh, the other thing is uh, um, Fred Astaire, he was going to retire uh, from acting, but then Gene Kelly was set to star in a movie with Judy Garland, and he heard himself and asked Astaire to fill in for him. And that movie was a success, and so then they were going to star in a second movie together. That's Fred Astaire and Judy Garland. But then Judy Garland had to step out, and Ginger Rogers came back, came back in, and that's the last movie that they did in 1949, and kind of a reunion movie and a farewell movie for the partnership. Wow. The crew of the movie apparently, along with some other studios, watched the filming of their last dance scene on that movie, and it was a very emotional thing. Hmm. Um, and uh, the only other thing is Ginger Rogers. Um, you know, there's the famous quote that she doesn't get enough credit, but she, to you know, I mentioned it in the last podcast, she did everything that Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in high heels. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that's what I had in mind when I was watching the movie. Yeah, same. I did too. Yeah. Um, and then one more piece of little trivia: Ginger okay. Rogers was married a number of times in her life, but one of those marriages was to the actor Lou Ayers. Um, and it was actually during this movie, Swing Time, she was married to Lou Ayers, and he was the star of All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, wow. Everything <laughs> comes back to this movie. That it seems like almost every movie just, we've done yeah. has had a connection to that movie. It's just super important. <laughs> I mean, and the, the message of that movie is also super important. So if you haven't uh, you know, watched that movie or listened to our podcast episode, go back, listen to our episode, definitely, and then pick yeah. up the movie and watch it. But, um, yeah, okay, so it's definitely what you said last time about uh, Ginger Rogers, that quote, you said it at the end of our last episode. Um, that's what prompted me. Well, let me backtrack. That's part of what prompted me to do more research on her than anybody else in this movie. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. One reason is because, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. I was just yes. like, wow. Just uh, We talked about yes. last movie. It was like, uh what was the last one? Modern Times with that actress was mm-hmm. very Goddard. Yeah, she was very attractive, but oh my goodness, um, Kelly Rogers, <laughs> Ginger Rogers, woo! Um, but yes, she's <laughs> pretty fascinating. Um, there was, I mean, just an incredible dancer. Um, I saw some quote about the two of them. Their chemistry on screen is so good, but, but I didn't realize that she was married at the time of this movie um, because mm-hmm. Fred Astaire was married at the time of this movie. Um, and him, unlike her, he was only married twice. Um, uh, he was married to this, the girl he was married to in swing time up until she like passed away of lung mm. cancer in her forties. And then, um, he married some other, I forget what her name is, Robin something, some other actress, um, uh, or not actress, just somebody. Um, and then yeah, Ginger meanwhile was like a definite, definite, like, Hollywood star and married, divorce, married, divorce, no kids was right, right. focused on, you know, her career and everything, but she's a real badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a clip of her on one of Lucille Ball's shows and she was tap dancing with Lucille Ball on that, uh, on her show as like an older lady. And I thought it was a really cool. Little and she was doing I... so much better than Lucille Ball and the other girl. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. She was just, you know, schooling those girls. Um, but mm-hmm. one quote I saw in her, like one of her, you know, bio pages, um, was like their duo, like their chemistry is so amazing. That's what stunned me that they were both married and they weren't dating. I was like, they have to be 
dating or something off screen because they're just it kind of reminded me of uh bradley cooper and lady gaga whenever a star is born came out and there's all those like rumors and things of like they have to be dating or together they had to have something on set or something because their chemistry was really good yes like i wish there's like some old tabloids or something from back in the day when this this movie came out or just like some Mm -hmm. little you know newspaper clippings about these two because they yeah were just so magnetic they were their chemistry was so good um, mm-hmm. but I saw something on one of, um, Ginger's bio pages and it was like, um, he brought her class and she brought him sex appeal. And it was like mm-hmm. the, the two of them just paired up so perfectly. Cause he is a goofy, goofy, goofy looking guy. He's got like a yeah. teardrop shaped head <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, just, you know, balding a little bit and just kind of goofy, incredible dancer. Like an upside down teardrop. An upside down teardrop. Yes, exactly. Um, with a weird chin it's like yeah balding there's a there's a mega mind is like this blue villain i had a yeah it kind of looks like that alien kind of guy um but (laughs) i couldn't like whenever it took him a while he dances right at the beginning of the movie but it takes him a little bit to get back into um like there's a big little gap of time in the movie before he gets to really impress us um Mm -hmm. and so i just kept thinking that whole time like what is up with this guy like why was he like so big in hollywood <laughs> but then he dances and you're like oh yeah okay but then you throw oh, in yeah, yeah. you know ginger rogers and then it's even more just woof they're yeah i like them a lot <laughs> before we get into it i like them a lot right and they built their careers together like they weren't doing anything separately really before this it, it, it seems like they built their careers together and then they went off and did their own things and were with varying degrees of success and had long pretty long careers afterwards but their careers started with working with each other and they it they needed each other to kind of get built up to a place where they could go off on their own. And that's funny that you right. mentioned uh, Gene Kelly too that they yeah. uh, and they knew each other kind of. <laughs> yeah, and Gene Kelly is you know I've you know we both love singing in the rain and and uh, I was so I was watch well I was watching this movie I was comparing him with Gene Kelly Same. and seeing if like who I preferred kind of a thing of who I think is better and mm-hmm. I think that's an ongoing debate of who's the better dancer so oh yes um, well you want to get into the movie yeah let's get into the movie all right the credits go we get Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers get equal billing we get a little tease of music we will hear. And then we see Fred Astaire and a group of other dancers performing on stage. Um, And uh, then there's a character named Pop Cardetti who's doing a card trick with a stagehand with his eyes closed and the stagehand's ignoring him. (laughs) But we get that he's got a... He sounds almost like he's drunk, the Pop character. Yeah, he's great. But he's just that's his his voice i guess <laughs> this character's voice is just it's a always kind of like slurring a little bit kind of thing ace of spades yeah. you know? <laughs> and the that. character's names in this movie are dumb um yeah. I, for, for a while when i first watched it, it was pop and so i thought it was his dad i did too <laughs> and then no it's not though and then but he's a card magician and mm-hmm. his last name is card daddy no stupid okay card isn't a get it haha and then you know we'll learn later that fred astaire's name is lucky garnett and he's a gambler garnett yeah lucky's his name and then and then ginger rogers name is penny carroll and so put their names together and you got lucky penny (laughs) it's like ah ha ha but anyway um so we meet pop and as fred astaire he dances off the stage and 
he's saying, I got to run off. I got to get to my, to, I'm getting married. I got to get to my wedding. He's going to be late. Uh, so he runs off and, and, uh, and the, he goes to his dressing room to get prepared. And the dudes he's working with are like, wedding. The worst human beings alive. Yeah, they're terrible. And they're like, wedding. Oh, no. I was like, we can't lose this guy. We're going to lose money. He's not getting married. <laughs> yeah, so they, they come up with this plot to try and delay him so that he doesn't get to his wedding on time. So that with the goal of him stick, sticking around so that they can keep performing their act and they can keep having a job. But they accomplish their spoiler they accomplish their goal of him not making to his wedding but then he just goes off and they don't have a job anymore so but there's i don't know the the plot of this movie is very thin yeah and doesn't make a lot of sense yep i agree (laughs) (laughs) i agree they're just they're assholes and they're in this like dressing room and he's all in his tux and everything and they just kind of it it's pretty thin plot, but I read somewhere about uh, Fred Astaire, and he was like, you know, one of the best dressed men in Hollywood, and like had some like, I don't know, some fashion weight of the time behind him. Like he was kind of like a fashion icon, I guess. And mm-hmm. um, so maybe like had I known that going into the film, um, you know, it would have seemed a little bit more engaging or something like that, and kind of funny if I had that off screen knowledge, but. Without that, yeah, this is kind of like a, it's just pretty dumb. <laughs> they trick him, yeah, basically. basically. They're like, your yeah. tuxedo pants, uh, they don't have a cuff on them. And the way they trick him is they right then get a pen or a pencil or something, and they draw cuffs on the, the same suit that's in a magazine, and they show him, and mm-hmm. then they all ridicule him, and then he's has to get him cuffed. Yeah, so he gets Pop to take his pants to the tailor, and while they're waiting to get cuffs added to his pants, they start gambling and rolling some dice and and he's winning money off of all of his dancer friends and the church and his bride to be's family keeps calling and mm-hmm. this guy who they call Red, um, one of the dancers, keeps answering the phone and pretending to be Fred Astaire's character and just um being really terrible and and basically passing along, oh, that was just the minister. He said he's going to be 30 minutes late, so don't worry about yep. getting there on time. And, lying oh, okay. and just yeah. like, you know, lying to Fred Astaire and then also to the parents, or the dad and his fiance, and everybody's just like, yeah, he's just not not being a good middleman in communication. Basically, he's just lying to everybody and just trying to sabotage the wedding <laughs> casually. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a qu- quick little fun scene with Pop at the tailor's um oh, yeah i almost like said taylor's office but i guess the taylor's shop uh-huh. and uh he uh he's like can we get some cuffs put on these pants he's like you don't put cuffs on these pants look at all these pictures not one cuff he's like, i've seen a million pairs of these stuff, pants yeah. and not one cuff <laughs> he's like can't so you do it anyways and, and he like is about to pay him right before he goes back he's like can't you do it anyways and he's like of course I could. I could do anything, but it's like, I, this is me being right or wrong, right versus wrong here, and I will not do that. This is wrong. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like a lot of, I don't know, weird fashion stuff that <laughs> maybe was really important to Fred Astaire. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, eventually he get, takes the pants back, and, and Lucky puts the pants on and runs off to the wedding, mm-hmm. and there's no cuffs on the pants, and he that's when he realized he's like, the tailor didn't want to put them on. That's when he realizes that, like, oh, they were delaying me on purpose. Yep, the, the guys so, were messing with him. Yeah, so he gets to the to the house of the bride-to-be, and 
and whose name is Margaret, and her father is Judge Watson. Well, wait, hold on. Before he goes over to her house, um, it's like he won like $200 off of all of his... So he's a better right. gambler and oh, a better yes, dancer yes. than all of these guys. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they, they need him to survive, yet you know when he wins his money they're like oh no it's like we already sabotaged your wedding that's not enough we need to get that money back and mm-hmm. uh he's like running out the door before you know they win their money back and um he's like i gotta go get married and red's like bet you to 20 or he's like double or nothing um that uh you don't get married today and he's like all right you're on and then he runs off and then yeah that's right. how it is so not only do they sabotage his wedding they also they get all the money get all the money back yeah yeah total skis is yeah and uh that's when he gets to the house her name his bride to be's name is margaret watson her mm-hmm. father there is judge watson and uh they're mad at him she looks at him he's she's mad um he looks at him he's mad the dog looks at him and barks oh, the yeah, cat looks at him and hisses and then this, there's a painting of an old man and he's like scowling at him <laughs> And it comes back later, but this set is a set a great setup for my favorite joke of the movie. Yeah, same. Well, one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> so basically, they're arguing, and uh, the the dad agrees to let him marry his daughter if he gets twenty five thousand dollars, saying yep. that it shows character if a man can earn money. Yep. And he's like, "Oh, you're a businessman." I didn't. He just forgives him instantly. Like he stands him up, like at the wedding, you know, the wedding day um he's like not there it's like two hours or three hours after the wedding he shows up and they're just like pissed at him and then he's like oh but i didn't tell you it's like i made two hundred dollars today um he's like Mm -hmm. i've got a new like business that's not dancing it's totally not dancing don't worry i'm not gonna make my money (laughs) that disrespectful way he's like it's not that um Mm -hmm. it's it's gambling (laughs) but he doesn't tell him um but yeah he's just like i don't know he's a interesting character uh lucky garnett or garrett garnett what is it garnett yeah garnett, yeah but they're like pissed at him and then they he, they instantly forgive him whenever he's like yeah i made a bunch of money he's like oh you do okay uh, get twenty five thousand dollars and come back and then you can marry my daughter and mm-hmm. so he makes a plan to go off to new york to earn the money uh, the twenty five thousand dollars and so he can come back and marry margaret and everyone's happy the margaret's smiling the dad is smiling he shakes his hand and the dog jumps up on his leg the cat's rubbing up against his other leg, and he looks over at the painting, and the painting's smiling at him. <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid. It kind of reminded me of like I a Mel Brooks kind of joke. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was the best part. And he had like in this like scene, Fred Astaire's funny looks uh, definitely played a part and added to the <laughs> the strength of the joke because his eyes are mm-hmm. real big when he's looking at the painting for a second, and then he kind of smiles afterwards, like how the hell did that change kind of thing is good <laughs> it worked yeah really good reaction and you know they always say comedy is all about the reaction as opposed to the punchline really it's and so that's a he he played off of it really well yeah and we cut to the train station he's gonna get a train to new york but the dancer friends come and take their money back because he didn't get married so they are they're entitled to all of his money in his wallet and so now he can't buy a ticket to new york city not even with his lucky quarter Mm -hmm. so he runs and jumps on the train and and pop follows him with his suitcase but the suitcase pops open and all the clothes uh, fall out pop sweetness comes in because you know he just he went to the tailor and just tried to get the pants done he didn't know any better he wasn't a part of the ruse to Mm -hmm. uh, get him you know not to get married and stuff and um 
Pop's like, wait, can I come with you? He's like, please take me with you. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I hate it with these guys. Can I mean, these guys suck. Like, please come. Let me go with you. Um, but Pop's probably one of my favorite characters in this movie. <laughs> yeah, so he hops on the train with him. He, lo- he loses all of his luggage except for his toothbrush, but uh, he gets on the train with him and joins him on the journey to New York City. Yep, which I read was actually just... Um, still california they didn't go to new york city to film or anything they just like filmed in the streets oh, really? like, yeah it's <laughs> pretty cool That's like in cool. their studio california stood in for new york interesting i didn't know that mm-hmm. so they maybe it just cuts to them being at new york in new york city walking down the street and he try pop tries to con a cigarette off of a guy he's like i really want to smoke and so he sees a guy smoking and he's like pardon me do you have any matches and the guy gives him some matches and he fakes like he's looking around for cigarettes and that he knows he doesn't have and mm-hmm. he's like oh, i'm sorry i must have forgotten my cigarettes did you mind and he's like then get you must you won't need my matches then and takes it so that didn't work Mm-mm. and uh, that's there's con, like a little vending machine that's con number cigarettes. two of the movie so they do you know they fake they fake him out on the pants that cuffs in the pants mm-hmm. and then he tries to do this with the matches uh, that's just a, mm-hmm. a recurring thing i guess it's a gambling dancing singing kind of movie um, but yeah, getting like scammed and stuff, it comes up early and often in this movie. Oh yeah. Especially around the character of pop. It seems yes. to be kind of his <laughs> bread and butter. Oh yes. So they get to a vending machine selling cigarettes and, uh, they don't have any change except for his lucky quarter. He doesn't want to use that. So he pop pulls a button off of his pants or something and tries to, to, uh, put it in the vending machine and doesn't fit. So Ginger Rogers shows up. We see her Penny Carroll. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets some cigarettes out of the machine and and uh, makes her entrance. And Lucky exchanges his, he gives her his Lucky Quarter for some change so that they can get the cigarettes out of there. And it gets stuck. And so they smack the machine and all these cigarettes and all this change comes out. So he's like, oh, you have enough to go get your Lucky Quarter back. So go catch up with her so you can do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they bump into each other. She drops a bunch of things and Pop picks up her purse very sneakily and sneaks the lucky quarter out of it before giving it back to her, Mm -hmm. which then sets up this next little confrontation with the police officer. Yeah, interesting. This whole time, uh, we forgot to mention, Lucky is still in his tuxedo and top hat. His tuxedo's Mm -hmm. got like pinstripe pants and he's got like a a vest and he's got tails on his coat and a big Mm -hmm. top hat and, you know, some nice shoes that probably are just tap shoes constantly i imagine that's just how fred astaire walks around um yeah <laughs> but <laughs> down the streets of new york city yeah, you can always you always know when he's behind you <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah so he's all like very very nicely dressed and um yeah we've got this confrontation with the police officer um where ginger rogers is like he stole my money he's a thief or whatever and then the cop like looks at fred astaire and he's like this guy you think he would steal a quarter like look how he's dressed come on kind mm-hmm. of thing and they don't know he's mm-hmm. just dirt poor um but yeah and, and then... she calls the officer something that i don't know if it's a slur or what a, a cossack i look yeah i looked it up she calls it the officer a cossack and I tried to look it up to see what it was, but it seems like it's some sort of like Russian ethnic group. I don't know if it's a slur or not, but huh. she means it to be at least. I, thought, yeah. I just thought it was a weird thing. I'd never heard anyone called that before. She might as well have just called them like an upstart or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, in a seven-letter like, word. Yeah. <laughs> Which 
Cossack is a seven-letter word. Yeah, hey, there we go. Interesting. The other seven-letter word. Um, but so the anyway, she, then she storms off, and the cop walks off, and Pop well, appears. Another good bit of comedy where well, he we looks like part. he's. We, we oh, I did. Yeah, we skipped over the part where the cop like tells her like yeah he's like no like this guy didn't steal it, but then he like walks away after she brings up stuff, and he's like come over here, and he talks to her, and he's like get out of here before and it's like you get in more trouble or something like that he's like everybody does but then like a bunch of a crowd comes around them and they're all watching and like it's really weird uncomfortable scene where i don't know it's just weird oh yeah he's like i'm gonna charge you for disturbing the peace and she keeps like walking off and then she'll turn around and he like keeps like keep going and then she'll walk another step or two and then turn around he's like uh-uh, uh-uh kind yeah. of a thing it was a strange police confrontation yeah very bizarre um and then then the cop walks off Mm -hmm. and uh pop appears to curse him out and says says some curse words and there's a car horn that like masks the sound of it and the the police officer ditch yeah yeah he turns around he's like what'd you say and he's like i said watch out for that great big ditch so dumb but before that was that fred uh, astaire says something to the cop he's like he's like you shouldn't have done that to her and he's like are you gonna tell me how to do my job and he's like he's like no but in this instance you're wrong and he's like oh now you're telling me that i'm wrong and then he like oh yeah gets worked it yeah it's, it's exactly it felt like a very it happened one night oh yeah uh, which funny thing i actually read that uh fred astaire and clark gable were good friends Oh, I, I believe that. Yeah. All these big Although Hollywood I think stars. Clark Gable was kind of a more of a party guy. And I, I read that Fred Astaire was very kind of kept to himself, very private. He didn't, uh, hmm. he wasn't seen on the scene too, too much. I think they may have just like had, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to say gentleman nights after Clark Gable's gentleman nights with the people <laughs> from Mutiny on the Bounty. But I mean, you know, like <laughs> hanging mm-hmm. out and like drinking scotch and stuff kind of nights yeah i could see that i could see them doing that like smoking cigars on the porch or something like that i don't know um manly (laughs) shit you know (laughs) um but yeah no that's it was a very oh yeah kind of scene with the police officer and then he walks out and you've got that funny pop moment where he yeah cusses at him and it gets honked out by a car and then yeah watch out with that Mm -hmm. great big ditch And then he find, and then Fred Astaire learns that Pop actually stole the quarter from her, and he's like, "Why didn't you tell me?" He's like, "I don't want to do what the police around." And so he's like, "All right." So they go and try and follow Penny and catch up with her, and she goes into Gordon's Dance Academy, mm-hmm. and uh, she's a dance. We learn she's a dance instructor at this dance academy, and we also meet Mabel Anderson, who appears to be the receptionist or something. Yeah, she's a great character meet, too. She is a she is a funny <laughs> character, and she becomes basically the the romantic interest to pop yep and uh gordon we also meet he's the owner of the place and he's got a very annoying snooty voice yeah just everything like, oh yes yeah, quiet quiet we are, you know just kind of a uh, weaselly <laughs> guy's guy. voice just smarmy and ugh. nasally and yeah ugh. yeah <clears throat> he tries to fire he like threatens to fire both uh penny ginger rogers and mabel um mm-hmm. like because mabel's a little bit late and same with penny or something like that and she's clearly upset she just got robbed and the cops told her that she was gonna go to jail if she like tried to <laughs> say anything about right. it basically um mm-hmm. and yes yeah, so and he's like you you're late like a couple minutes like ah, i should fire you um but then we've got finally lucky dressed in. lucky garnett coming through the doors in his tuxedo fooling everybody that he's wealthy 
Mm-hmm. And he requests a lesson and gets paired up with Penny. Um, and uh, Pop is waiting in the reception area and with Mabel, where he's constantly having this thing of like, can I? And she's like, help yourself. And he's like, I meant to the chair, not my club sandwich. <laughs> and then there's a scene where, like it comes back later and he's like, is this your card? He's like, obviously doing card tricks for her. And he's like, oh, wow, that was amazing. He's like, you thought so? And he's like, not the card trick, the, the way that you made my club sandwich disappear. <laughs> so stupid. And she's like, you got lettuce on your shirt. <laughs> yeah, you might want to get the lettuce off your shirt or something. Yeah, she's um, real like a, just a weathered down, you know, receptionist kind of just, uh, <laughs> she's mm-hmm. perfect for pop and all of his BS. She just sees straight through it and it's just real blunt, but also doesn't care. <laughs> right, right. Anyways, meanwhile... Meanwhile, we have Lucky and Penny are doing a dance lesson that's at the beginning is like monitored by Gordon, the owner. And there she's like, before you learn how to dance, you have to learn how to walk. And so they're walking in sync. And as they walk away from Gordon there, she's being a lot more real with him. Like, how dare you? Like, angrily talking with him and talking trash about him coming, following her and things like that. And, and then they turn around and start walking back towards Gordon. And they're very pleasant with one another. And... And uh, Gordon's like, fine, I'll leave you two alone. And, and she tries to teach him to do a little hop step dance thingy where mm-hmm. it's like one, two, three on your left foot and then one, two, three on your right foot. I don't know. And I don't he, know dance terms or dance styles or anything. But Yeah, I don't have much to say on the dancing in this movie except for damn. But this first part, mm-hmm. yeah, they're doing something not very technical and Fred Astaire just kind of keeps slipping and falling down. Um, right and doesn't and give. they start singing their first song around it yeah that's right what's it what's pick it yourself again? up there we go yeah they start singing a song called pick yourself up and then there's like a dust yourself off and start all over again mm-hmm. kind of a thing is how the the rhythm of it goes and i can't teach you anything please teacher teach me something nice teacher teach me something I'm as awkward as a camel, that's not the worst. My two feet haven't met yet, but I'll be the teacher's pet yet, cause I'm going to learn to dance on birds. Nothing's impossible, I have found, when my chin is on the ground, I pick myself up, dust myself off. Start all over again Don't lose your confidence if you slip Be grateful for a pleasant trip And pick yourself up, dust yourself off Start all over again My thing is, like, his voice is okay yeah. Hers is a, is a little better But they're not. neither of them are, like, you know, like, gonna blow your mind type of singers Oh, that's funny I thought the... So, I'm still... At this point in the movie, I'm still not sold on Fred Astaire um, I still right. think he's like goofy and we've only seen him dance for a little bit and then he's been falling down and his dancing is like, okay, whenever they, you know, we're getting the turns right. Um, and mm-hmm. during this song, but yeah, he sings before he has like a big dance performance and I was, they're not dancing. They're like sitting on the ground for most, yes. for much of this song. Yes. Yeah, so I was like, okay. Huh. Um, but I wasn't under, I was not very impressed. I was underwhelmed with his, um, singing. I agree. Mm-hmm. But I thought hers was a little bit worse than his. I didn't think really? she was as like strong of a, a singer as he was, but I, it took me a minute to warm up to his voice. Um, and it comes to the second song he sings, but that's something mm-hmm. that we can talk about maybe towards the end is his musical career. Cause yeah, Fred Astaire is pretty prolific. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, so they do this song to start right all over the start all over again. I think they start right over mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah. And I like this song. I think it's a fun, too. cute song, and it's catchy and and uh, it's a simple song, but I I liked it a lot. Uh huh. And they've got this, you know, the chemistry is really building at this point. You know, and they're singing together mm-hmm. finally. Um, she's been annoyed with him. He's just kind of been following her, you know, and stole money from her and all this stuff. But, um. Yeah, no, the song was good, but it builds up and gets even better. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of this thing, they're sitting on the ground, and she's like, oh, no one can teach you how to dance. You should just save your money, and Gordon overhears this and fires her. Yep. And uh, That's not good he's like, business. I apologize. We'll get you paired up with another instructor, blah, 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 blah. And, and, uh, so far, he's done nothing for her, and he almost got her in jail, and now he got her. She, like, she's fired now because of mm-hmm. him. So she does not like him. And then he goes back out to try to follow Gordon, and, and uh, he's, Gordon goes out to the lobby and sees Mabel arguing with Pop about stealing her, his sandwich, or her sandwich, and Gordon fires her, too, and, and so Lucky tries to convince Gordon to rehire Penny by showing him all she's taught him, and mm-hmm. so he's like, come on back out to the little dance hall, and it's like, it looks almost like a little skating rink, yep. um, and there's a little, like, a fence one foot tall fence kind of all around the the uh edge of this little dance floor mm-hmm. dance and, rink, uh, he does yeah. a yeah dance ring basically and he does a little tap dance thing that's really impressive and really quick and and he's like whoa and then uh yeah he was and they like start dancing together trying to gain her confidence like let's do that one you told me what was it it was like a you know tap 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 turn or something like that and he like yeah, does something crazy impressive and she's like oh he can do this and then, uh, yeah, I forget what the name of the first song is that they dance to, but um, it's "Pick Yourself Up Again." It's the same song. There's just no words. It's the music to the same song. Gotcha. And a little faster and too. So very, like, very complicated tap dancing and like ballroom dance kind of moves to the to the music of "Pick Yourself Up," and and he's wa- Gordon's watching him. They do a cool the the cool thing that I liked was a little twirl over the fence that they do. Oh yeah. And then they the twirl back onto the floor and. They're just and they, so magnetic and just mm-hmm. so like their dancing is incredible. Almost um, every single dance, and I and maybe it is every single dance in this movie ends with the dancers just twirling off stage. Yeah, they always like run off stage. Yeah, but mm-hmm. let's. I want to talk about their dance for a minute because up until this point, I wasn't really like too too into the movie. But then I saw them dance, and I was just just sucked in. Um, and that's really like an art form that I'm not familiar with at all. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I get it when I see it and I like really appreciate it, especially when like these two are dancing, um, it's just so expressive. Uh, mm-hmm. and just, they just were so fluid. Like it's crazy. Fred Astaire walks kind of, you know, like a dance, he walks really weird <laughs> and he mm-hmm. moves really funny and he's a really lanky guy. Um, and but they were both just so incredible. Uh, yeah, I was blown away. Uh, this, yeah, this, this is a point is a in the movie when it's a fun song and a fun dance that they do together. It's yeah. a, I think it's a gr- for me it felt like a really great introduction to them because I had this thing in mind of Fred Astaire being very uppity or like fancy, and he is fancy. Uh-huh. But this is but the first dance that I see him do is a is a really fun kind of song that so it kind of broke that image and made him a little bit more relatable to me. Same, same. Um, not relatable and being like, yeah, I can totally do that, but like, <laughs> not more, as, like, not more as like fancy. common. <laughs> yes, I'm. I meant like more common person. Like, yes. I, I, I don't um, know for whatever reason. I always like 
he was like upper class and Gene Kelly was more like middle class, working class. Huh. That's what it all the I don't know where I got that idea, yeah, I but I got this got idea that. <laughs> that that like Fred Astaire was real snooty and fancy pants and Gene Kelly was just more fun and and uh of the people kind of a thing. So it was really refreshing for me to see Fred Astaire's first dance to be this really kind of fun dance that um that shattered that image and so i was able to kind of open my mind up and enjoy the rest of the movie a lot more because of it yeah and you're talking about the plot being thin and that kind of like equates sometimes to you know like the screenplay not being very well but for me Mm -hmm. this is the moment in the movie where everything picks up and i became really engaged and it continued on like this from like it everything was established before and it it's just like launched us into the rest of the movie and um (laughs) like I don't know. I was really excited for what, you know, was next to come. I could kind of see where it was going. Um, sure. Maybe that's like the plot part, but I don't think it was like poorly written or anything like that. I think that it was, no, it was really good. Um, no, it's just the idea of like, I got to go to New York to get $25,000 so I can go marry this girl. Oh yeah. Um, doesn't make much <laughs> sense. And then there's some other things like later on that it's like, who's to, like, there's this, apparently some hard and fast rule that they talk about later on like if you ever at any point get $25,000 you have to go back to marry this girl yeah like you can't just not go back why would you like that yeah. doesn't make sense to me at all but that's how they treat it later that on that stuff the movie. is loose but from the standpoint of all of their everything that's established like so you've got now you have Fred and Ginger and their their chemistry and their relationship and then you've got uh, mm-hmm. Mabel and Pop and that's all set up and you kind of know what they're all trying to do kind of. Um, mm-hmm. It I'm just really happy with that and then it's just a dancey musical for me from the rest of the part of the story. Yeah, I can right whatever. But um, anyways, let's keep going. So they do that first yeah, dance. So- Gordon's super impressed. He rehires her, of course, but he also gets an idea and gets on the phone and calls the Silver Sandal, which is a mm-hmm. fancy dance club in town, and, and gets them a, a tryout. And yeah. uh, meanwhile, Pop gets another gets an idea at the same time and is like, I'm going to get your job back, Mabel. And they go off to the dance floor. No one's really watching <laughs> them. And they try to dance to save Mabel's job. And of course, they're not nearly as good. And Pop, br- he, they try to do the little twirl over the fence, and Pop just lands <laughs> on it and breaks the whole thing. <sighs> It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And and Mabel's still fired. It doesn't work for her. Yeah, no, she's fired. <laughs> but, uh, oh, the other thing about this thing is, before we move on, is that Gordon says that, Penny, you wear white, and Lucky, you wear dinner clothes, and that's how I see you dancing together. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's like, I don't one. have dinner clothes, which I guess means a tuxedo, right? I, I guess. I know he was in a tuxedo, to be completely honest, but what do I know about <laughs> fashion? <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's something that he doesn't have because that becomes a plot point yes. in the next bit of the movie. Yes. And they have to, they go to like, what, some hotel or some apartment wherever they're staying or something. Yeah, where the girls Mabel are, are living. Yeah. yeah. And they pretend to live there too. And so they go down to the, the desk the front desk and and uh pop got some money he borrowed some money from mabel and he's like i'm gonna go gamble this to win more money so we can afford to stay here for a little while and i can get you those the clothes that you need for the thing Mm -hmm. so he goes off and uh he comes back and he's lost all the money (laughs) but he brings a drunk back who's in a tuxedo Mm -hmm. and they trick him into gambling for his clothes but they end up losing most of their own clothes yep (laughs) And uh, Penny comes in and sees them gambling and 
and does not approve and she's upset and they miss the tryout because of that it's like a big career move for her mm-hmm. and he's just gambling and she's like what the yeah because he was trying to get the clothes so he could go to the tryout because he didn't feel like he could go to the tryout without them and she just sees that he's gambling instead of going to this tryout so she's she's mad yep and uh so then it cuts to uh pop and lucky they're like marching outside of penny's door wearing signs that say um Penny Carroll unfair to John Garnett. Like they're like picketing outside of her, yeah. her little apartment. And Mabel's, and like Mabel's cheering, cheering him on. Him on. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, keep it up, boys. <laughs> I think you're breaking the management or she makes some sort of wisecrack like this if they're union workers or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mabel and Penny are inside talking about like, how could she fall for, how could I fall for just a common gambler? And Mabel reveals that they ended up being successful with some of her money. Yeah. And she like takes out this stack of money and she's like, well, they turned a measly $10 of mine into hundreds. So I feel like you probably fell for a pretty uncommon gambler. Yeah. That, and, uh, this is kind of weird. I don't know the the messages this movie's sending out exactly, but um, yeah, he's a very successful gambler and they just like kind of glorify that lifestyle mm-hmm. as something. And Mabel's all for it. She's, she's, she's impressed. All for it. Yeah. She's definitely like their, their biggest advocate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and uh mabel well they're so they're they're penny's still like she's getting dressed or getting ready and uh and mabel invites lucky in and says like wait here and but she does like she's like she doesn't know what she wants penny wants you to be in here she just she's not quite there yet kind of a thing yeah. and uh she comes out and sees him there with his little sign sitting in the chair and she slams the door on him and they're talking through the door and she admits that she may have been too quick to judge the night before and and uh he starts to leave and like but he fakes like he's leaving she's like no lucky come back um but he kind of fakes like he's leaving but then he sits down at the piano and he starts to play the way you look tonight yay such which a good song which is the song. where this song came from yeah it, it originated in this movie and it is a fantastic song yeah it's been you know Last one, last movie we had that song, Smile, that was covered by a million people, most famously mm-hmm. DMX. Um, but <laughs> this movie, yeah, the, the Way You Look Tonight, it's been covered a bunch of times. You know, Frank Sinatra and so, so many other people afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And just what a classic, awesome song. Um, I guess Fred Astaire didn't write it, per se, per se, no? Right. It was written by the, uh, I forget, it was like Jerome Kern and... I want to say like Dorothy Fields or something like the 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 songwriting team that wrote all the music for this movie wrote that this song too. But he was like one of the first ones to sing it, I guess. Or yeah, the first yeah, he one was the first one to to perform it because the song was written for this movie. Someday when I'm off. And the world is cold I will feel a glow Just thinking of you And the way you look tonight Oh, but your love With your smile so warm And your cheeks so soft there is nothing for me but to love you 
just the way you look tonight. But he's got so many other songs like that. He's got like, you know, let's call the whole thing off, the tomato, tomato, potato, potato song. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, yeah, another one of their movies. And that heaven, I'm in heaven, that song too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he's just got like just a bunch of these. Just uh, yeah, it's incredible. It's cool hearing those songs from the the OG singer and stuff, the OG performance. Um, now, granted, a lot of these songs became more famous from uh, when other people covered them it and sang yeah. them. Yes, but. I agree. Uh, but it is something notable that he is the first because the, all these songs were written for movies that he starred in. Yeah. Um, but that made me like his singing a lot more once I heard him say this song. So at first I wasn't very impressed mm-hmm. with the first little singing bit, but then he gets to this scene and it, yeah, this is just a, such a cool song. And there's no dancing. He's just sitting at a piano and she's listening from the other room and she's cleaning her hair mm-hmm. and uh, she comes out and, and um, she still has her shampoo in her hair and, and, uh, she puts her hand on his shoulder or something, and as he's finishing the song, does the way you look tonight, he turns and looks at the way she looks that night, and <laughs> has a funny little reaction as as they as she as he sees that she's got all this shampoo in her hair. And I read about this. Apparently, this was a very private thing that people didn't wash. I don't know, washing their hair like this, and so it was kind of an embarrassing, awkward moment to be seen <laughs> with shampoo in your hair. I don't know. Oh but uh, I thought there was a really cool little mirror shot mm-hmm. where they, where they, you see her, you see them in a mirror. Yeah. Um, I always like mirror shots in movies because if you have ever tried to mess around with with a camera or a phone and try to take a picture or sh- shoot something through a mirror and not get the camera in it it's damn near impossible it's pretty tough so yeah <laughs> i'm always impressed whenever i see a mirror shot in anything <laughs> so uh, there's a mirror shot and then she runs off embarrassed and there's one little piece other piece of trivia about this is that they tried to figure out how to to make it look like she had shampoo in her hair and so they used all kinds of different products hmm. like egg whites and all kinds of stuff in her hair to to get the right consistency and look and everything <laughs> um it ends up they actually used whipped cream so oh, that is okay. whipped cream in her hair not shampoo or anything i was gonna say shaving cream whipped cream what is it they tried shaving cream they tried egg whites they but whipped cream <laughs> was what it, they end up using they're just like having too much fun basically mm-hmm. like what can we make but, her do <laughs> yeah any other thoughts about this scene because this is the big song from this movie yep um no not really i mean this is just where she's i don't know she's like softening she already every time like you know whenever he danced like she was like you know warming up to him and then now after the protesting and picketing he sings this song and she's just gaining more trust and falling a little bit more in love with him and same with him mm-hmm. uh, falling in love with her kind of thing um just both very charming it's a very charming scene and yeah. entirely i guess and after she runs off embarrassed, we the scene ends and we cut to another person singing the song. Yeah. Um, the last character that that we haven't met yet that has some bearing on the plot, Ricardo Romero. Mm-hmm. He's a, a band leader at the Silver Sandal, and he's singing the same song as Penny and Lucky are there dancing in a crowd to this song. And he's clearly singing the song to Penny and flirting with her as mm-hmm. he's singing and this guy is the worst. Yeah, he's pretty dumb. Uh, he's up there with the little like dance team at the beginning of the movie. Um, but yeah, Lucky's just... face, facial expressions are really good at this point. 
and they're like dancing together mm-hmm. him and ginger and then ricardo's like singing at her they like all individually make eyes with ricardo or both of them make eyes with ricardo and lucky's mm-hmm. like what the hell is going on he's got all these funny like I don't know. His eyebrows are all moving and shit. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, and apparently he's asked her to to marry um, him multiple times, and she said no every time. But mm-hmm. he's very much in love with her, and and uh, they're supposed to dance, you know, do their tryout and the, and dance at the Silver Sandal. But Ricardo refuses to play music. Yeah, um, it's for, funny. For it's, them. It starts off with Fred Astaire being like, yeah, "I don't really like that guy." And she's like, "You haven't met him. He's really nice," and he's like goes up and meets him and he like doesn't shake his hand um mm-hmm. doesn't shake fred astaire's hand and fred astaire's like what the hell and then after that conversation he's like well i've met him and i still don't like him mm-hmm. and um yeah and then ricardo's like oh i'm sorry i'm not gonna play the song for you because i'm jealous of this guy he's like i don't want to see you yeah. dance with anybody mm-hmm. see you later and so like okay well now we got to go talk to the boss the the owner of the whole place to yeah. get, so that he can make him play the music and he's like I wish I could but I just lost the contract to the orchestra and I gambled it away to the owner of the casino mm-hmm. and so oh okay luckily we got a gambler here so they go to the casino to try to win the contract for the orchestra back so they can force him to play for them so that they can dance for the silver sandal so <laughs> There we go, back over to the to the casino where they start gambling, and Lucky's winning at the tables, and Penny is real stressed out about the gambling, so she goes outside for some air, and and Ricardo goes outside to flirt with her some, um, and but meanwhile Pop tells Lucky that if he wins the next bet, he's gonna have enough money to go back and marry Margaret, so he quickly cancels the bet. <laughs> like, stop it! Stop! I'm gonna cash out right now. Can't get twenty five thousand. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Twenty four ninety nine, but I cannot get. Not Which is again dumb. I mean, what's to, what's stopping you from just winning twenty five thousand dollars and just not going back? As yeah. if like as soon as you do that, you're going to be teleported back there or something. No, yeah, it's legally legally bound. Yeah, he's got to. <laughs> yeah, legally bound. He told them that one time, and the and the painting smiled at him and everything. <laughs> yeah, he can't let down the painting. Oh shit! No, no, no he's gonna the painting is gonna turn back to a frowny face. <laughs> So. Okay. Yeah, so maybe not perfect plot. Um. <laughs> right. Um, so he quickly cancels the bet, and then the owner comes along. He's like, what, you scared? You don't want to bet anymore? Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll bet, but not for money. How about for the Ricardo's orchestra contract? Yeah. And he's like, fine. And so the, no, with first the game he's that they're like, going to play is... It just, they, they definitely add in some gambler stuff here. First, the other guy's like, no, I just won this. Like, This is my contract. I got to get some money off of this thing. And he's like... Then Fred Astaire's like, what are you, scared? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, shit. Okay, now I've got to. <laughs> yeah, what are you, chicken? Yeah. <laughs> Just like all stupid stuff. Yeah, it's very macho, yeah. <laughs> but the game that they're going to play is they're just going to draw cards and the high card wins. Yep. And so, um, but Pop notices that that the the casino owner's going to cheat. Yeah. And so. He's got a cold he, deck. Yeah, he's got a, a he's gonna what? What'd you say? It's called a cold deck. I don't know what that means, but that's what he says in the movie. He's got a cold deck. Maybe it's just yeah, like so. one high card where they know it is, and the rest are low numbers or something. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what he does is, um, he knows he's gonna cheat, so he offers to to cut the card for uh, Lucky. So um, the casino owner pulls up the king of spades, and then um pop he's you know the magician card magician so he palms the ace of spades and and of course pulls it up ace of spades so he wins and lucky gets the contract 
And so he goes back, they go back to the silver sandal or with Ricardo and he tells them that he owns, that he has his contract. And he's like, no, no, I still refuse because if you see in that contract after <laughs> like 7 p.m., I don't have to play no more if I don't want to or something stupid like yeah. that. He's like, you get three hours and not a minute more or something like, I don't yeah. know how it was. So he's like, I'm not playing. And, yeah. But uh, Lucky's plan is he just goes to the to the microphone and shouts to the crowd. He's like, Ricardo Romero wants to play a song for us. And, you know, maybe he needs some coaxing. Everyone clap. And so he's like, okay, peer pressure. He can't turn him down now. Yep. And then it's uh, so a waltz and song called swing time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, waltz and swing time. And so this is um, the next dance sequence. So uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers dance around to this song, waltz and swing time, which is like swing. Time, and that's a, I thought this was kind of a dumb yeah, song, not yeah, very too. memorable at all. I do too. But uh, the dancing's very fancy, all one take, and they twirl off stage at the end of it. Yep. Um, and that any, also twirls know. us forward into the future, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on this dance? I thought it was kind of, I mean, I, nope. apparently it's very technically well done. I'm I didn't sure. think it was all that memorable for me because I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't have enough dance knowledge to know what they're doing. and. I didn't think the song was very memorable. Yeah, same. Yeah, the first song I liked, the first dance I like really sucked me in. This one, uh, it was just along for the ride. Didn't really think much good or much bad about it, except for the the swing time was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're like, hey, that's the name of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those moments. <laughs> yeah. They said it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. If any of you listeners out there are a little bit more knowledgeable about dances and what makes this dance sequence so great you know let us know yeah yeah we don't mean to brush over it but uh, we just don't know (laughs) so uh, yeah we go into the future and it's snowing and they're going off to the country um lucky penny uh, mabel and pop are going to go out into the country together kind of just context clues we pick up that um lucky and penny have just had increasing amounts of I don't know, chemistry, sexual tension, I don't know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. building up between the two of them. But for some reason, they're lucky. He's just like, nope, can't can't do it. I'm still engaged. I'm still loyal right. to this girl that I've you know barely spoken to or seen in a long time. I don't even know if she mm-hmm. can dance. Um, and he tells Pop before they go, he's like, hey, make sure that I keep my distance from her kind of a thing. Yeah. And help me help me you know draw the line or whatever well, we also I'm starting to fall for her kind of a thing we also gather about this trip that it's set up by mabel and that mabel really wants the two of them to get together and she's like you guys are idiots mm-hmm. if you don't see that you know you should be together she's kind of like the cynical i don't know the audience what we're seeing kind of thing <laughs> like yeah just get together mm-hmm. come on this is stupid um but so she sets up this trip and then yeah fred astaire tells pop he's like you can't let us be alone like please yeah. So they're sitting on a bench and it's snowing and and they're cold. So they're kind of starting to nestle up to e- to each other. And then Pop yells at him. This is my. This is what I laughed out loud at one point. <laughs> with, with how to keep warm. I don't know if that's what it is. But there's like one scene here. Like, so they're at some cabin, right? It's snowing and they're all, like instantly. Mabel's like, Pop, come on, like let's go. Let's leave these two alone, pretty much. Um, and then Penny's like, yeah, nestling up to Fred Astaire and he's like trying to be resistant and he, you know, mm-hmm. pop saves him legit a couple of times. 
Uh, but then mm-hmm. they both start like warming up to each other. And then I forget what Pop says, but it's something so stupid. He's like, "Hey!" It's like, "Don't forget about me!" And just like, it's like not clever, and it's just very loud and just busts in. Yeah, that, it cracked me up. <laughs> and at one point, he he throws a, a snowball at yeah. them and hits him in his he- in the head right before they're about to kiss. And yeah. uh, and then he throws a snowball back and Pop ducks and it hits Mabel in the face. Yeah, and Pop's lying there for the snowball thing. He's like, oh, want to fight? Or sn- I heard he's like, want to play mm-hmm. or something. It's so, just so dumb. He's not clever at all. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the part. So, like, they're nestling up to each other to stay warm, but also, you know, to be romantic. And mm-hmm. uh, they separate and... and and Lucky's like, he kind of snaps out of it. And he's like, you know, d- instead of, you know, doing that to stay warm, why don't you just like smack yourself or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's something stupid. stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you slap your arms or move your arms. Yeah. Get the blood flow going. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, during this time, they, they're singing a song called A Fine Romance. I love this song. It's a, like a little sarcastic song, you know, like she a fine romance with too. no kisses yeah. and or no nestling and just like what a fine romance this is kind of a thing. Yes. Yeah. This song is just awesome. I loved it. Yeah. It is a good song. I liked it too. Makes uh, Ginger Rogers character in this movie just really like, I don't know, just really adorable kind of just like, oh, this is, mm-hmm. this is great. Yeah. She was, she was awesome. A fine romance with no kisses and no something and something, something, but mm-hmm. it, comes back it's one of these recurring songs like the way you look tonight um and really once again it's the two of them just on screen just their their magic man chemistry a fine romance with no kisses a fine romance my friend this is we should be like a couple of hot tomatoes but you're as cold as yesterday's mashed potatoes. A fine romance you won't nestle. A fine romance you won't wrestle. I've never mussed the crease in your blue serge pants. I never had the chance. This is a fine romance. You're not really angry. No, disappointed. Oh, don't be that way. You're too nice. You're nice, too, sometimes. Only sometimes? Well, there are times when I can't make you out, when you're so aloof. Oh, so I'm aloof, am I? Seems to me I was just going to do something about it, too. Oh, yes, I know. of time has a fine romance with no clinches a fine romance with no pinches you never give the orchids I send a glance no you like cactus plants this is a fine romance 
But mm-hmm. yeah, the song is really cute. I went back and listened to it afterwards after I watched the movie. I found it on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just all sung by Fred Astaire, and it's not as good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's better when it's the duet. Yes, much better when it's the duet. But uh, oh, I think the I think the snowball thing is what kind of separates them. So they they were the about song, to kiss too. They're like, about to kiss. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Or was it? Oops, sorry, my my computer just made a really loud noise. That's okay. Um, I I but, don't know uh, if it was when they were about to kiss because I think they they do that song. Yeah, and they are. They do the song, and then they're they're leaning in to about to kiss, and then he gets hit with a snowball okay. on his head, I think. Okay. And uh, and uh, then he he throws a snowball back, hits Mabel. So then he goes over to attend to Mabel and apologize, and, and Pop, Pop goes over yes. to Penny, and he lets it slip that, yep. you know, if he gets twenty five thousand dollars, then he's gonna go back to marry this girl, and she that she never knew about all of this, and so she's done now. She's she's pissed yeah and so he goes back and he's like where were we he's, he's to about kiss her. to kiss her again <laughs> and she walks off and starts and he begins singing a fine romance and uh as penny gets in the car and she turns it on and snow blasts in his face and, <laughs> and that scene ends that way yep and then they we cut forward again yeah we go back to the silver sandal it's been reopened because they were going to be doing some work on the on the uh set basically of the of the of what it was going to look like and it's a great set they've got like these mirrored stairs that twirl around and yep and uh it's you know built for a great dance sequence later on and Mm -hmm. and uh penny's in her dressing room and mabel's talking to her about how lucky likes her and or else he would go back to this other girl and trying and still like, trying to convince her to get them for them to get together and she's like look at all this money that they've been spending he's obviously trying to not get $25,000 right cuz he's like look at this diamond bracelet that I've got she's like all decked out at this <laughs> point just like t- reaping all mm-hmm. the benefits from these guys mm-hmm. like fur coat and everything is crazy <laughs> and then uh so he's like Mabel says you should just go and kiss him and says that if she, if she does, I'll stand on my head or something like that. And so she's like, okay, I will. And she goes over there and she's all nervous and she goes into Lucky's dressing room and tries to kiss him a couple times. Like, and he kind of steps back. And, and she's just and, adorably uh, nervous during this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she awkwardly asks him, how, how do you like my dress? And, and then she turns to leave, but he catches her up to her and compliments her dress and, and her and... And they lean in, they're about to kiss, and the door opens and blocks the view of the audience so we don't get to see them kissing. And yep. and then the door closes, and and uh, they're behind their door, and they're smiling and giggling, and he's got lipstick all over his mouth, and they're just both super happy. And this, to me, was like when she was the most charming and most attractive, was yes. just like as they're smiling and giggly, and, so, and uh, finally we're able to kiss each other. But we didn't get to see it. I thought that was kind of a, a very clever, romantic, and cute kind of way to do it. I did too. So I've got some thoughts on the scene before we move forward. So don't go any sure. farther in the story nope. from there. <laughs> no, well, because after this well, I'll take is it. a I'll take big it a change. Yeah, I'll take it a second further where the um, it, his name's Simpson. He's the guy who owns the club. He busts in mm. the first time mm-hmm. and ruins the kiss with the door. Um, and then he like opens it up again. He's like, oh, you are in here. And he looks at him. And there's the shot of Lucky with the lipstick on his face. And he's like, hey, Lucky, mm-hmm. it's it's time to go on. Like, you're about to go on stage. Um, but this scene, yeah, was definitely the pinnacle of their chemistry for me. Like, it was just mm-hmm. seemed so genuine. Ginger Rogers, like, did a, an amazing job acting this scene. And Fred Astaire, you know, it was just like a real 
I don't know. It felt like an honest moment between the two of them kind yeah, of thing. It does. It feels really genuine in a, in a movie where like this time frame, the acting doesn't feel very real. Mm-hmm. It's very like stage acting, you know, kind of style. And so this, the way that they acted in this it just felt very, yeah, yes. genuine. It was so genuine. And I don't know. It was just, it was great. And, you know, not that it also helps that she's in like this, this dress and he's complimenting her dress and everything. And she is just, just so attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is instantly ruined. Instantly. Yes. Instantly. I because was like the very next thing. I was holy feeling crap. and thinking like this is a perfect movie. This is, I mean not a perfect movie. Like this is like a really good like it's surpassing all my expectations, you know, like and then but you know what? It's 1930s <laughs> Hollywood, Michael, and it's a dance movie. Oh, you know God. what that means? <laughs> yes, I know what that means, but I just didn't think about it and yeah, he's like coming. all super excited and happy he's like hot dog and he goes over and sits down <laughs> in front of his mirror and dips his hands into black paint and starts mm-hmm. smearing it all over his face i was just <laughs> like no 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 <laughs> in my notes i just have jesus christ why <laughs> yeah i know it's just such a sharp turn it was just so awesome and then it was just so just not awesome mm-hmm. oh man yeah, and he he puts on so, blackface and does this, and it's not even just a quick scene. It is like one of the most, if not the most, elaborate dance scenes in the movie. Yeah, and there's some cool shots that we have to talk about it, but it's yep. just all, all in blackface. It's all just like cast with this dark cloud over it. And oh man, mm-hmm. Fred Astaire, why? Thankfully, so like, go to it kind of for me, I can kind of encapsulate this part of the movie in this scene, you know, just on its own. Um, I feel like it afterwards it picks up kind of where it left off and he doesn't have blackface on right. anymore, but let's talk about the scene. <laughs> so yeah, Ricardo, it cuts to Ricardo Romero. He's playing music for the orchestra and it kind of zooms. It keeps going past him and you go to the stage and the stage is like kind of like triangle sh- diamond shaped and, and you know, different curtains like pull back and rows and rows of dancers are there. And then more curtains keep pulling back and more and more dances uh, dancers. And eventually this giant black face head caricature thing that is terrible appears with these big lips and uh the hat kind of goes off and it's revealed that the face was actually the the bottom the soles of two giant shoes Mm -hmm. that get picked up and separated and these it's like these giant long legs that are attached to lucky um in blackface sitting on a chair and they take the legs off and he gets up and starts tap dancing and hand clapping and the song is called bojangles of harlem yeah and uh apparently very elaborate dance sequence apparently i read it's like that character hold let me look it up it's one of um fred astaire's like dancing idols or something like that like some one of the guys he like looked up to or kind of like i don't know was inspired by is bill bojangles robinson Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he's a very famous tap dancer and yes. and famously danced with Shirley Temple in a movie. Oh, but he's um, black. Okay. Yeah. And uh and yes, but, this was uh, like an homage to him. Yeah, what a great way to tribute somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, there's just so much about the scene cuz the dancing is is like apparently really 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 good and then there's the special mm-hmm. effect later up uh, and towards the end of it but Really, yeah. Beyond, okay, so yeah, the, there's the dancing, sure. There's nothing that we haven't seen in something else. 
But uh, the, yeah. the, the, the technical thing that is interesting about this dance is there's a scene where he dances with three shadows of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it looks like there's four Fred Astaire's that he's dancing with. And apparently this took three days to shoot. They filmed him in silhouette and then tripled it mm-hmm. and then filmed him dancing in front of a process screen and then combined all of those images um, into the final special effect that you see in the movie. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not quite perfect. There are times when you can see through his hair, you can see the shadows like through yeah. his hair. They didn't process it all the way correctly or something, but yeah. uh, still pretty impressive. And, yeah, it looked and, like kind of green screeny, like his hair was green. You could see through. Yeah, it does look like exactly. It looks like his a green screen where his hair was, if his hair was green. And so sometimes the image behind it is like coming through his hair. It looks like it's coming through his hair, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. That's all I have to talk about. This, yeah, it was really scene. just the special effects of the shadow. That's all we need to talk about. The blackface ruined it. <laughs> yep. Um, maybe, you know, yeah. dancing people. Have, I don't know. I read something like this is like one of the better dances or one of the more technical, I don't know, dances and stuff. So there, there's more there, I guess, but it's hard for me to see that. And I was well, yeah, to shocked. Skip, to skip forward a little, the movie did get nominated for two Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. It won one for Best Original Song for The Way You Look Tonight. Awesome. And it got nominated for best choreography for this dance, for the Bojangles of Harlem dance routine, which it did not win. Okay, well, um, good. So, <laughs> yikes, yikes. Anyways, so oh, moving forward. Yeah. But at the end of the dance, uh, Margaret is in the audience, and he sees Margaret arrive at the end of the dance here, and so he's, uh oh, you know, it's uh, this is not good. So he goes backstage, and the casino boss comes back and says, "Hey, this." Uh, we learned that we the game that we where we lost the contract was not exactly on the up and up, so we demand to play another round. And because uh, yeah, Pop ruins it, Pop goes over to them. Did you already say that? Well, yeah, I I didn't say that. We we skipped over that part, I guess. He goes into the audience and like sees those guys. Like, hey guys, you want to play some cards? And like does a card trick or two to them. They're like, oh, you're the guy who picked the card. You're the reason why we lost the contract. Yeah. You know how to count and like what do they say? You know how to handle cards. Like this is mm-hmm. BS. And they go and. Yeah, confront him. They confront him, so they demand that he plays an honest game, and of course, he loses, so he loses the orchestra contract back to the casino boss, and then Margaret comes into the dressing room, and Penny comes into the dressing room, and he reveals he's lost the orchestra, and Penny's upset because he's gambled again, and he said he wouldn't, and... And then he gets introduced. She gets introduced to his fiance, and the show. There's a lot happening for Penny in this scene, so she just like gets overwhelmed and leaves, mm-hmm. and. uh and uh, they jump forward, and, and Penny and Lucky see each other, and Penny reveals that she's going to be marrying Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Penny. Oh, never mind. I just want to wish you good luck and all that. And all what? Whatever you want. Does she dance very beautifully? Who? The girl you're in love with. Yes. Very. The girl you're engaged to. The girl you're going to marry. Oh, I don't know. I've danced with you. I'm never going to dance again. I thought they said it enough with which is the first part of that line. Yeah. 
Like, does she dance well? Who? The one, the woman you love. And then there's the way he looks at her and responds, yes. I was like, you get what he's meaning, what he means. And I think she gets what she, what he means, but she wants to, I guess, took, took it the next steps. Like the one you're going to marry. And she's like, nah, I don't, I don't think so. And so this leads into him. He starts singing this song called never going to dance. Really cool um, song. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about it. I just have to, to bring up the two shout outs he has. I've got the lyrics pulled up here. Shout out oh, to the Marx Brothers ones. Yes. The <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. song's really, you know, cute and sweet. And he's like, um, he's never going to dance without this girl. He's only going to love. He's just going to get married and never, ever going to dance again. He's only going to mm-hmm. love, never going to dance. Never going to dance again. Basically, it's, <laughs> it's careless whisper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that was missing. Um, this guy doesn't like George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he does this whole song and it's all like dramatic and I'm never going to dance again. But then he has uh, shout outs to... And to Groucho Marx, I give my cravat. And to Harpo goes my shiny silk hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved that. I was like, oh, cool. Hey, I'm back in. Like, this song was kind of <laughs> losing me for a minute, but you got me. <laughs> I know those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put them down on anything but the La Belle. A perfectly swell romance. Never gonna dance. Never gonna dance. Only gonna love. I'll put my shoes on beautiful trees I'll give my rhythm back to the breeze My dinner clothes may dine where they please For all I really want is you And to Groucho Marx I give my cravat To Harpo goes my shiny silk hat And to heaven I give a vow to adore I'm starting now to be much more positive I'm left without my penny, the wolf was not smart He left me my heart and soul I cannot go for anything but the la belle A perfectly swell and eventually originally this movie the movie might have been called never gonna dance that was one of the, the suggested titles for the movie but they decided wow. To not call it that because they wanted, they didn't want people to be confused and thinking that this was going to be a movie where no one danced. (laughs) (laughs) So they changed it to swing time. But uh, so, and during the song Never Gonna Dance, they actually do end up dancing and they dance around those fancy staircases that I mentioned before. And yes, And and it is considered to be the most technically impressive dance of the movie by dance critics and things. Okay. Um, yeah, this one was really, really good. They go up and down the stairs, and and apparently it took forty seven takes to to get this dance right. Wow! And Ginger Rogers said that her shoes were filled with blood because of, from film from filming this dance, that her Whoa. feet were bleeding and bruised. And uh, Fred Astaire was just a, a perfectionist, and he wanted to make sure that the dance was correct. And I think it's it's almost in one take. There's apparently a a cut when they're like up at the top of the stairs kind of a thing but um 
but uh yeah man her dancing at like her dress is like i don't know it's like pretty long and you know flowy Mm -hmm. and there's parts where she's like jumping up and then stomping down really fast and just like moving you know quickly across the floor and everything and i was like dude she's gonna step on her dress she's gonna trip she's gonna fall like Mm -hmm. you know there it was it was impressive i like that dance a lot 47 takes but it it worked they got they got what they needed in the end so yeah um after they they finish dancing and singing lucky goes to margaret with the intention of telling her that he loves penny Mm -hmm. and margaret's there and she's got something to tell him too uh but she's struggling too and so she just hands him a note and and the note says that she doesn't love him and she's going to be marrying someone else and He's thrilled, and he shares that he's in love with Penny, and they both laugh and laugh and laugh, and and uh, Pop and Mabel go in, and and uh, they're laughing, but then Pop shares that Penny and Ricardo are getting married that afternoon, so they gotta hurry and get over there. Yeah, that makes Mabel laugh harder. She's kind of evil at this point, but <laughs> and that's most of the movie is now people hysterically laughing. Yeah, it starts this laughing fit. It's unexplainable, mm-hmm. but it's pretty pretty funny <laughs> and fred astaire laughing kind of reminded me of dick van dyke laughing and mary poppins with, yeah. in the we love to laugh thing where they his face they, they have a very similar face to they, me dick van do. dyke and fred astaire yeah they do very goofy so, goofy looking like real pointy chin kind of a thing so anyway so they go to stop ricardo from marrying penny and we see you know the only black person in the movie and he's just, he's like a servant of ricardo romero um, yeah. And then uh, Lucky sees that there's an Esquire magazine and he gets the idea to draw cuffs on the pants to mm-hmm. try this whole no cuffs strategy to delay this wedding. Mm-hmm. And him and Pop are cracking up about the no cuffs and things. And and they next thing you cut, they cut to them leaving and they're laughing because they've taken Ricardo's pants. And uh, they see Penny and Mabel, and they're all, all four of them are burst out laughing. They're like, "Why are you laughing? Like there won't be a wedding because they have his pants." <laughs> <laughs> Great way to get out of a wedding. Yeah, it's so stupid. And then Ricardo comes out, and he's wearing the servant guy's pants that are huge. And and uh, Penny says there's not going to be a wedding, and that she's going to marry Lucky. And and uh, they sing a duet with Lucky singing. Oh, first then Ricardo's like, ah, I guess so. And yeah, he, like, he just and he goes to like play the orchestra with those giant pants that keep falling down. That guy's a pretty bad character. <laughs> he's terrible. And like, so he starts singing. And he's like, ah, oh, they're lucky. And and then like Mabel and Pop start singing a little bit, a couple of lines, and then it cuts to a a duet where Lucky is singing a fine romance and Penny is singing the way you look tonight at the same time, kind of over on top of one another. And it was really cool. And then. and it's the end yay we have reached the end of swing time so the movie comes out makes a good profit gets good reviews um like i said before the box office this is kind of the peak of their box office success it starts to kind of decline for their movies around this point and they do a couple more and and then they take a pause on their partnership and um 
This is Ginger Rogers' favorite movie of, of hers that they did together. Oh, that's cool. uh, like I said, won the Oscar for the best song for The Way You Look Tonight. Um, and there was a Broadway musical adaptation of that using this music from the movie called Never Gonna Dance. Um, but that's pretty much all I got for this movie. You got anything else before we dive into what makes it great? Um, no, not really. <laughs> okay, um, well, for me, it's pretty simple. It's just like the influence on the on dance and musicals that it had, the charm of the co-stars of, of Fred Astaire and Ginger yeah. Rogers. They have great chemistry and very charming to watch. And uh, most of the music and the songs in it were very good. I thought Pick Yourself Up was real fun. I thought A Fine Romance was fun. I thought Never Gonna Dance was really romantic. And, of course, The Way You Look Tonight is just a classic and one of the best romantic songs ever made. And 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 still is, is just, when you hear it today, is still really a, a beautiful song. And so I liked, to see, I liked seeing the origins of it in this movie. Same. And... So I think that's kind of what makes it great of the dance, dancing and the and the songs and the charm of the two leads. Yep, yep. For me, yeah, it's definitely the charm. Um, I don't know, like you know, the plot holes, the thin plot, and everything that that kind of is questionable and stuff. But okay, I'm gonna go on a little rant here. Buckle up. <laughs> so I think <laughs> okay. that so you know, I was just talking ripping on Ricardo being a you know pretty dumb not. To entirely fleshed out character and stuff like that and there's a couple other characters in this that aren't really fleshed out or yeah and the whole plot really isn't very um you know logistically i guess thought through um mm-hmm. but in a way that real relationships whenever like people actually fall in love and stuff like that how other things around them become mm-hmm. kind of not really important or not really fleshed out you don't really pay attention to them you don't really need them they're not as important um, mm. you know, if your relationship is so strong or, you know, whatever, you know, the world around you is not like your main focus, your main focus is on each other kind of thing. I think that mm-hmm. that's what's so powerful about this movie It's like the rest of it may not have been that good, but Esther and Rogers are incredible. Um, yeah. I, I get it. I think that stands the test of time for sure, for me at least. Um, but that's what makes it great. There was a couple of cool camera movements and cool shots that I appreciated, um, I think during the first dance scene that we didn't talk about, but um, it looked great. The sound was great. You know, the dancing was great. Um, And then their chemistry is just, yeah, off the charts great. I think she's like on one of the AFI's lists of like the top 14. I think she's number 14 on like the best actresses of all time or something like that. Yeah, and Fred Astaire's up there near the top as well on the male side of things. I don't don't have the exact numbers, but they both are on, on their respective sides of things pretty high up. And um, even the bad part of this movie, so I'm looking at the list right now. So in the original list uh, of the AFI's Top 100, the jazz singer was number 90, and then it was taken off. And this movie was not on the list, and then it was put on at number 90. So it's almost just like a straight replacement for the jazz singer. And with that in mind, I agree you know, entirely. Um, the jazz singer I thought was going to have blackface throughout, um, and this one I had no idea had blackface in it. Um, mm-hmm. and the jazz singer didn't have blackface throughout, but when it was there, it was just, you know, that performance towards the end, just like this, just a performance towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know why I don't, maybe it's just the, the rest of the movie, the story was, the story was not better than, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think this worked a lot better and 
I don't know if you're going to trade one blackface movie for another. I'd I'd pick Swing Time over The Jazz Singer for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely this one's the more enjoyable of the two. And I think what you're speaking of goes, like, you can have, you know, no movie is perfect. But if no. you have some element, one or two elements that are really, really, really good, it makes up for a lot of other areas where it might be lacking. So yes. I don't want to say that it, it like the, the makes up for it entirely, but... <laughs> Right, the either the racism or like the plot line or whatever. It's like the the charm of the and the chemistry and the music and the dancing and everything is is done so 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 well mm-hmm. that some of the other things don't seem like the lack of a of a plot really didn't of, matter of a as much. Good plot doesn't matter quite as much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I agree one hundred percent with that. Yeah. Kind of right. sad that so, we don't see them on the. Uh, on the list again, but you know. Yeah, I think that's that's all that we get to see of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, I believe. Um, but next time on What Makes It Great, we go up one more year into 1937, oh, and we have a couple 30s. of firsts. We talk about our first movie that is in color, Ooh. and our first animated movie, oh, buddy. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves from 1937. Sweet. Uh, the Disney animated movie is ranked number 49 on the original list and number 34 on the 10th anniversary list. Oh, cool. And so this is one we've both seen before, so it'll be good to see it again with the context of, for this podcast and do a little bit of looking into the making of it and everything. But I'm looking forward to talking about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves next time. So well, uh, hi-ho, I- I'm ready for some Snow White as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my name is Andy Fernandez. <laughs> my name is Michael Fernandez. Thanks for joining us on What Makes It Great.